an inspired leader is someone who is able to self-assess, who is humble enough to admit fault, to learn, and who is willing and courageous enough to change. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. back to the Inspiring Leaders podcast and thank you for pressing on that play button today. I'm your host and executive coach, Terry Lepofsky, and I certainly appreciate you tuning into the show. Here's a quick question for you. Have you ever thought about doing something great only to find out later that there was an unintended consequence to your actions? Well, today, we're going to help to ensure that this doesn't happen to you and that you are better able to become an agent for change for the better. But before we jump into this theme, I want to introduce our guest for this week, Mr. Alan Brown. Alan and I met a few years ago when he was preparing to deliver a TED Talk called Don't Give to Charity, a talk that was insightful, compelling, and I gotta say, it was even shocking. Alan is the co-founder of Compassio Relief and Development. Alan Brown, welcome to Inspiring Leaders. Hi, Terry. It's good to be on the show with you and uh, good to talk to you again. Okay, Alan, I got to ask you right off the top here, where in the world are you? Because I know that you and I met and did some work together in Ottawa. I also know that you've spent quite a bit of time in Thailand, that you were living in Cancun for a while. Where do we find you today? Uh, <laughs> That's a good question. I'm kind of always on the move. I've just bumped into the term digital nomad. I really feel that that's kind of how we operate. Today, I'm in Colorado Springs. Our family is currently living in Cancun. We are originally from the Ottawa area. My daughter just told me the other day, she said, Dad, you know the fourth foreign country I've visited? And I said, I'm not sure, Tessie. Where is it? She said, Canada. Our life has kind of been worldwide. <laughs> and you bounce back and forth between Cancun and Colorado Springs. You're going from sea level to the mile high state. I tell people it's not because I'm out of shape. It's the thin air in here that has me panting every time I go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, listen, we have a tradition on our show here, Alan, and I always ask this question, but I've changed it up in the last few weeks here. Uh-huh. And here it is, if you don't mind, what or who inspires you? Uh, What inspires me is seeing people who are willing to ask questions of themselves, to say, who am I? Step back from themselves, to step back from what they're doing and really get honest, have the courage to, to change when they see that they have need for change. I've seen that in people. I've seen other people who are just sort of content to stay the course I got to say, I'm inspired by people who are willing to risk asking themselves the hard questions. I like your answer. It really reminds me of something that I see all the time in people, and that is that reluctance to change when they know that what they've been doing is not working. Mm, Yeah. And I think that a lot of people have a real vested interest, and part of it may be ego. There definitely is a little bit of reluctance to change, even in the face of evidence to the contrary. Mm. But I think what you're talking about is on a much higher level. You're talking about change that really has a very wide-reaching impact. Mm -hmm. Change not just in what we're doing or our job or our location, but really personal change. Like you say, when we recognize something in ourselves that we're courageous enough to say, I'm willing to step back, willing to take risks, willing to even lose 
some of the things I may have accumulated in either reputation, possession, or security, and really pursue what is good and what is right. I guess what has really impressed me early on in life is the whole concept of having principles that I can be solidly in alignment with and live according to those principles and constantly be examining what is it that's truly valuable in life. I like what you're saying there. One of the things that's really kind of hit me like a brick between the eyes here in the last few years is how many people who are not able to answer the question, what do you value most in this world? Mm, Yes. And I think a lot of people have not gone through that very simple but foundational exercise. And I'm thinking back to when you and I first met, back to that TED Talk that you gave in Ottawa a few years ago. Mm -hmm. It was called Don't Give to Charity. And I know that you shocked the audience, (laughs) (laughs) to put it mildly, from your very first sentence. Uh And you had them hanging on absolutely every word that came out of your mouth right to the very end. Uh I know that you've got a link to that video on your LinkedIn profile. Mm. It's up on YouTube as well. And I put links to that into the show notes here. Not only have you been in a very unique and remarkable position since you founded Compassio Relief and Development that's based out of Canada and the U.S. now, and your operations are in Thailand as well as other locations around the world, right? Yes. We started our work on the ground on the border of Myanmar and Thailand, working with refugee communities. So there's refugee as well as migrant communities. What we found within them, because of economic factors, uh, social factors, and just the insecurity of not having paperwork that gives them the rights to exist in a location, is that there are tremendous abuses that are taking place, both externally with regards to trafficking, abuse from corrupt authorities, but also abuses as people make bad choices within families. That is what we started out to address is how do we make a difference in the lives of children and women and families living under the most dire circumstances. So we've spread out from there. We have U.S. small fundraising presence in Australia, New Zealand, and Norway. Again, we talk about change, and I'm not getting into that now, but we're changing all of that as well. But that's kind of where we exist at this point. You also have a long history in working and building cross-cultural teams. I know that you're very passionate about seeing development done in a sustainable, healthy, and empowering way. And you co-founded Compassio Relief and Development a few years back, and that's that philanthropic nonprofit agency, as you said, that's really become global. And you're working for the benefit of women and children, like you described, who are at risk of abuse, trafficking, and exploitation. So if you don't mind, Alan, Talk to us a little bit about why you created this vital organization, what you're doing to change the world, and what unintended problems you're seeing that the rest of us should know about. Never underestimate the power of ideas to at least present you with the challenge of what are you going to do with the knowledge you have. I love to tell this story because I went over with my wife when we heard that girls were being trafficked. And that was not a term that was very well known or popular in the day when we did. We decided we would at least go and see. When we met up with some children who had either been tied into or had siblings that were sent off for trafficking purposes, it really broke our hearts. And as I said in the TED Talk, we saw a need that broke our hearts and we decided to do something about it. 
So do in our case was go and try to fix the problem on the spot. And I tell you, we went with amazing heart, somewhat shaky ideas and knowledge. And now we still address the issues, but we do it in such a different way as we've changed our model up several times as new information has become available. So that's what got us over there. We spent 13 years in Thailand, just recently come back to this side of the world. So most of our kids are born in Thailand. And they speak Thai, French, English. They're, they're kind of uh, international. We call our house the uh, United Nations of the Brown family. Maybe you guys are the IHOB, the International House of Browns. <laughs> there you go. That's it. I like it. I'm going to use that. Thanks, Siri. <laughs> right. You asked the question of what are some of the problems that we're seeing that the rest of the world should know. This is the one problem that got us into saying, what can we do to be world changers? The problem that we're seeing now is that while a good heart is a good start, when you have a bad idea, no matter how much money is put behind you, and sometimes because of the amount of money that's bit behind you, you can end up having damaging impact. Since we've lived overseas, we've seen how things are done. There are great ideas that create great change. There are bad ideas that can also create a bunch of damage. And those bad ideas can look really good on a website, in a story, in a report. But when you see the impact on the ground and when it's measured, not just in the immediate, but in the long term, there are definitely certain programs that should not be running. There are other ones that are presenting opportunity costs to effective change in people's lives and in whole communities. And uh, part of what I talk about in the TED Talk is how we have, through charity, actually damaged the potential for people to help themselves out of their own problems. That is what I am passionate about now. I'm passionate about seeing good charity happen. And it's like I mentioned to you earlier, we are completely changing Compassio. I call it Compassio 2.0 because our model, while we have had best practice in certain areas, there are other areas where we have neglected thinking through long-term sustainability and the ability of people to help themselves. We've overlooked the dignifying way in which people can help themselves on the ground. We admit our mistakes and focus in and say, how can we be better at what we can do here? You're practicing what you preach. You and I were talking about this just before we hit the record button. Mm -hmm. I've got to tell you, I was really impressed by what it is you're doing. So, Alan, you got to tell us a little bit about how you're changing with Compassio. Sure. We have an excellent program on the ground right now, working directly with women and children in crisis situations. We have great interface with other organizations, with the governments that we're working with, but we pay all of our staff. And that's good. Staff need to be paid and good staff need to be paid well. What I've recognized since working the charity that we have is that we have great capacity in Compassio internationally to affect greater change. But when we're tied to the model of just raising bucks, sending them overseas and paying for programs, we're missing what I think is a critical and vital opportunity to leverage what already exists and to provide opportunity for people that we work with on this side of the world who are amazingly talented people who have experience like you do in communication and building systems and all of that. There are great people, low dollar people that are local, who know the culture, who know the people, who have amazing capacity to affect change in communities much more than we do, who simply lack representation, who lack certain skill sets. So what we want to do is we want to connect those skill sets in a way that empowers and allows them to do 
what they feel called to do and what they are more capable in doing than any high dollar charity. So we would talk to you and say, there's this lady named Mary who's working in a small community in southern Tanzania. She and three other people, they're paid at Tanzanian rates. They know the communities and they have impact into these communities, but they're lacking communication. No one is telling their story. Terry, would you be interested in connecting directly? We'll connect you directly. We will manage the relationship, set it all up for you. You become a trainer and then a mentor. So you're on the phone with her once a month. You may be going over to visit her for a week or two weeks and working with her. You become the worker. You create the direct connection. So you have a meaningful connection and relationship that uses your skills. We're not saying, Terry, go build a house out of concrete in Mexico, which could feel good to you, but you're not using what you've been given. And we want to leverage your talent and leverage the connections and the ability and understanding that this person has in Tanzania to see great things happen. This is amazing. You're connecting the dots with probably the most vital dots that there are out there. You've actually taken that old model, as you said, of, hey, we need your cash and we'll send it overseas. Yeah. You're really rethinking this entire thing. Yeah. So I think what you're doing is absolutely spectacular. It can't be easy. This is a whole new age that we're living in. The biggest organizations out there, the largest retailers don't have stores. There's no brick and mortar stores. Yep. The largest transportation companies don't have any vehicles. Mm. Thinking like Uber and, and Lyft and this sort of thing. And here we are. You're actually helping all these people in developing countries by connecting them to people with the skill set that they need to help make change. Absolutely. I was just in a seminar over the last couple of days, and the fellow who was speaking said that at 2030, there are upwards to a billion jobs that are going to be shifting away from manufacturing, away from hands-on location into automation. There are huge changes that are coming economically, globally, and this will affect the way that we do charity. So you're a professional who's excellent at what you do. If all I have to offer you is, Terry, you can go and have a fun week with your family building concrete houses in Mexico, or you can fill a box and send stuff to Africa, or send me a check. That model of charity is going to phase out. It will die, and people are going to be struggling. So we're at the point where we need to start thinking more intelligently about how we bring about the greatest amount of impact in a sustainable way so that if ever we can no longer be a part of that, people on the ground are empowered to do their own thing. And that's where we want to get to. We want to see continents. We want to see countries, communities able to help themselves. That's the ultimate goal. And we do that through empowerment. We do that through leveraging our talent. We do it through creative means. Like you said, I live all over the place. Wherever I have my laptop, good internet connection, and an international airport within an hour, I can work. And that's this whole thing of digital nomad. I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm running Compasio from wherever in the world. It's not for everyone. But this is great. This is kind of the dream that half the people I know have is I just want to travel. Well, what we're doing that and the reality of the new economy is that this is going to become more of the way we do things. Bringing that into charity, you're sitting in Ottawa, but you could have a meaningful link and, have, and, and see effective change through someone in Africa or in Southeast Asia, the areas that we're working. I'm excited. I get up with a lot of hop in my step lately. Yeah, you sound very, very passionate about what it is that you're doing. 
And rightly so. <laughs> I'm thinking about my own model, the work that I do with executive coaching mm -hmm. and presentation coaching for people. My clients know no borders. Yeah. Folks that I'm helping that are in, I can't count how many time zones I'm actually working in in the moment. Folks from Australia all the way to the West Coast of North America and every point in between. It's a way that the world is definitely turning to and working with. Mm -hmm. We just did a great show a little while ago with Bryn Kennedy from Topia, where they're helping people relocate and move around the world. Ah. But what you're doing is you're actually helping people that are physically removed from each other, but connecting with each other to help out, especially with those developing countries and where the charity is needed. Yeah, absolutely. And we still love to get you on a plane, Terry, and get you over to see some of the work on the ground. There's nothing that moves you more than that personal connection. One of the things that we are looking at is facilitating this mentorship with a personal connection and your capacity and your ability to then feed into that from a remote location. So we're going to get you on the plane someday. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> as we're talking and as I'm listening to you, I keep thinking to myself, like many people out there, I've got a heart yeah. and I do give a damn. I care about people, especially in developing countries, that just through sheer luck or lack thereof don't have some of the same benefits that I have. And I want to do something to help those people out. So my friend, count me in as far as willing and able to do something to help people in other areas. My model is already set up that way. So yep. it's a spectacular thing what you're doing. And I'm so glad that you've actually taken some time to step back from the day-to-day -day and the reactive reality that we all have to work through and start rethinking this whole model and figuring out a better way to do it. Because I really think that you've got it here. This is really a game changer in the whole world of giving back and helping people that are less fortunate in this world. I'd have to say it's my joy to do this. It's a joy. If there's a lack of joy in life, we need to look at what it is that we can add or change or give that, that changes that element of our lives. I often ask people when you're 99 years of age and you're rocking in your rocking chair on your front porch and thinking back over your life and wondering whether you made some of the right choices and whether you're happy with your life. Alan Brown, I know that you're going to be one of those people with a big smile on your face at that point in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, thank you, Terry. I appreciate yeah. it. And, um, and you know, that exactly what you say, that impacted me. I think when I was 18 years old, I read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And that's one of the things he hits is when you're an old man on your deathbed, who do you want around you and what do you want to be able to say about your life? And, and uh, I've, I tell people I think backwards. I think always along those lines is what do I want my life to have meant? Yeah, what do you want your legacy to be? And I think that you're going to have a very, very powerful, strong, inspiring legacy for a lot of people for years to come. And hopefully they're listening to this podcast for years to come as well, hearing your voice and some of your ideas as they were coming about. I have two questions for you, Alan, to close things off. Here's the first one. What challenges do you see facing many of the leaders out there today? Well, I've just been meeting with leaders. One of the ones that I've seen is loneliness and lack of passion or a loss of clear focus on why it is that I'm really doing what I'm doing. I can't tell you the number of people look like they have it all together, that they're successful and people admire them. And when you get in a room and the door is closed 
and you get the real story, the, the personal inner challenges that are there. And loneliness has come up over and over and over again. That is one of the challenges I think that's faced. And I'm not exactly sure whether that's my calling to fix that, but I definitely see that that's the challenge. What we have done, we worked on our own for quite some time. So we're working collaborative partnerships so that I can be with those lonely leaders and together <laughs> we'll have our scotch in the evening and just work it out and create community within ourselves. In fact, this is what we're working into the model of these local-led initiatives that we're bringing together. We've seen loneliness there. There's leadership at that level. It can be one lady with four staff on the ground in southern Tanzania, and she's lonely in what she's doing. But So to create a community where people can talk peer-to-peer, leaders can be in a peer-to-peer setting. That's what I would say is one of the challenges. That, I, there's a million challenges to leaders. That's the one I've been thinking about lately. That one definitely comes to mind for me, and I've never heard anybody say that on this show. This is episode 65. And so you've had 64 previous people that didn't come up with an answer like that. (laughs) Man, I hear you. And that resonates very, very loudly with me. I see that all the time, especially with folks that you'd think, wow, they've really got it together. They've got a successful life. They've got what a lot of people are aiming for. And yet there's really something significant that's missing. And a lot of that is this overwhelming feeling of just not being close. Yes, yeah. Not having that quality of relationship and interaction out there. Yeah. So thank you for that. My last question is, what does inspired leadership mean to Alan Brown? The answer that first comes to mind is someone who has a clear vision of where they're going. And I'm sure that's going to line up with the first answer that comes up for anyone. I would say just to step back and give it a sort of a B-level answer would be, Leaders who can see their weaknesses, who are self-aware and who are able to change according to the knowledge that they get about themselves, about their organization, and about the situations around them. So I would say an inspired leader is someone who is able to self-assess, who is humble enough to admit fault, to learn, and who is willing and courageous enough to change. We just came full circle, my friend. We've come right back to our theme which is changing the world. And in order to do that, you have to have that humility. You have to have that level of introspection. You have to have that self-awareness. All of those, as some people call them, soft skills Mm, Yeah, that were undervalued for so many years behind the hard skills, the technical expertise and the experience and all those things that sit on a resume. And yet it's a lot of these softer skills about really understanding yourself and being very clear and being very honest with yourself. I think that you put it very concisely and very eloquently. So thank you for that. Mm, Thanks, sir. Alan, I want to thank you for your time, your perspectives, and your incredible advice. It's been great having you on the show. I'm glad that you're willing to share your unique viewpoints, your experiences with us here on Inspiring Leaders. Thanks for being here, my friend. Thank you, Terry, so much. I always love the chance to chat with you. I was very blessed by your giving and input that transformed my TED Talk, mumblings into something that was uh, listenable. We're going to get you on that plane. We're going to get you connected. And when I'm up in Ottawa, drinks on me. Right on. I'll call you up on that one for sure. (laughs) Listen, a huge thank you to all of our listeners out there for checking out another episode of Inspiring Leaders. Make Alan's day by giving us a rating and some comments on iTunes. That helps other people find us, and that helps us get the message out there. 
and attract great guests like Alan Brown. Make sure that you circle back with us next week when we showcase another inspiring leader in our efforts to make inspired leadership ubiquitous. Until then, take care, everybody, and bye for now. Thank you.